0: God who takes our feet out of the miry clay and sets sets us on the rock, Father, our foundation is you, and Father, we cannot be moved, so we thank you for that, Father, we thank you that you're still the God who heals and delivers and protects, Lord, we thank you for that. Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things in Jesus' name. Praise God, is the Lord good? Yes, amen. Well, uh, welcome to uh, <clears throat> healing school, right? First uh, uh, healing school of uh, 2023. And if you recall, we started healing school on the first Sunday of 2015. So we complete, we've completed eight years of healing school. So we're beginning our ninth year of healing school. And, um, uh, you, know, and you may not know, of course, but uh, we do healing school on Sundays at 3 p.m., uh, so that people from other churches can visit with us and be here. We don't use this uh, service as an opportunity to, to proselytize, to get people to come to our church and become our, members of our church. We want the whole body of Christ to uh, know and understand the doctrine of healing, regardless of what church you go to. And over the years, we've had many people from many different churches come and visit with us and, um, uh, and be part of healing school. Uh, and In fact, Miss Sue, who, who's now gone home to be with the Lord, started with us on um, the first Sunday of January 2015 and was with us until you know, she went home to be with the Lord just uh, late last year. And, uh, and she had attended another church in Chattanooga. And we never tried to get her to leave that church and, and uh, join with us because that's not the point of this service. The point of this service is really to, to um, transfer the knowledge and inspire us with the knowledge that God wants us to be healed. Amen? and that's for the whole body of Christ, and the Lord has blessed us with uh, understanding in that area, and the ability to teach in that area, and so uh, it was on my heart, uh, by the direction of Holy Ghost, to uh, set this particular service up, so that it's open to anybody who wants to come, amen, uh, and uh, and there should be no, there should be no fear of, of other pastors and ministers that we're going to try and steal their sheep, um, and so, because we don't do that, we don't do that anyway, you know, and so um, so that's where we are, and so uh, if you were here on January 15th, or the January of 2015, does anybody remember what the first uh, topic that we taught on in the area of healing? Well, you all were here, right? Some of you were here, so you don't remember? You were there, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, we'll give you a, 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 out because you weren't here, right, Mr. Tracy, but uh, we taught on the topic of, is it the will of God to heal? Amen. And what what conclusion did we come to, uh, whether uh, to, to the question of, is it God's will to heal you? Every single time. Every time. Every single time is there ever an exception? Nope. There's never an exception to God, uh, d- God's desire to heal you, right? And so you have to make sure you, you word it correctly because uh, if you say it's, it's uh, God uh, will heal you every single time, you know that, that is a little bit uh, of a uh, statement that may not be able to be true because uh, if, if you're living in sin... Will God heal you? Well, it's 50-50, right? I mean, I I can't say he won't ever heal you because he's, is he a merciful God? You know, mercy sometimes will, will the whole point of mercy is to overlook guilt. Amen. Amen. Is to recognize guilt, but then not consider it when he's deciding to help you. That's the value of mercy, right? Uh, And so uh, judgment is when he looks at you and sees your guilt and decides that uh, your actions will constrain his ability to help you. Uh, And so or if you're innocent, you know, then, then your actions will allow him to help you. Uh, but mercy will, will recognize your guilt and still help you. So, uh, now we like mercy, right? It's not where you want to live because if, you, if you're living in mercy, that means you're living in guilt. Amen? You're living in sin. And so it's better to, to repent of the sin and to live in grace. Because if you live in grace, you're living in the place where it's easy to obtain the blessings of the Lord, right? You just do it by faith well, Lord, you said you can do this, and according to your word, I can have that. Uh, If you're living in mercy, then you're saying, I'm guilty of sin, I haven't repented yet, but Lord, I still need you to help me. And he may, if he chooses to, uh, grant you that blessing, amen? And so we thank the Lord for his mercy, amen? But that's not what we want, we we don't want to live in his mercy, we want to live in his grace, amen? And so uh, apparently it is a radical and a fanatical statement to say that it's God's will every single time without exception to heal you. Uh, and many people in the, in the body of Christ will tell you that's a fanatical and an extreme position to take. And, and to me, it's like just the most normal statement to make in a world. It's not radical. It's not. It's not way out there. It's not. Uh, it's surely not fanatical uh, at all. It's like as normal as the sky is blue. Uh, well, I mean, you look out there's a sky blue. Well, yeah. Is that a radical statement? That's not radical. It's just like well, yeah. Everybody knows the sky is blue. How could you not know the sky is blue? And someone comes, no, it's, it's green, it's purple, it's blue, I mean, it's brown. You look at them like, there's something wrong with you. And yet, you know, if you're the one who's saying the sky is blue, just like, you know, we say, well, men are men and, and women are women. Well, that's, you know, I mean, even just, just last year, the, one of the major dictionaries, I don't remember which one it was, uh, said, women is anybody who thinks they're a woman. You know, now that is not only radical, it's also stupid, right? Uh, but, you know, a sane person would go, well, you know, what's a woman? A woman is a person who was born as a woman. It's not even, It's not. apparently that's a radical statement nowadays, right? And, of course, all of us sane people are like, how is that a radical statement? But it's a radical, you know, when they, the last Supreme Court justice, when they were interviewing her uh, for her appointment to the Supreme Court, said, can you define what a woman is? She said, I am not a biologist. <laughs> Uh, You mean you have to have a degree, a four-year degree in biology to determine if a person is a woman or not? Uh, You know, uh, I mean, uh, anyway, so it is not a radical statement to say that God's desire every single time, not a single exception in the history of humanity has God ever wanted a person to be or to remain sick. Uh, And so, uh, and you you go through the Gospels and you look at the life of Jesus and the example that he left to us, how many people that came to Jesus sick, left Jesus sick Zero percent of the time uh, so every single person that came to Jesus in faith left uh, and even some of them didn't have faith right they, some of them came remember the man said you know uh, help thou my unbelief <clears throat> and, and so everybody that came to him wasn't perfect in faith but they had some faith uh, and and yet they all every single time uh, left well and so if Jesus came to do the will of the Father, then everything he did was, was, was an expression. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he's the very expression of God's likeness. Uh, and so if he came to express God's will, then we can look at his life and say, well, whatever he did is an expression of the will of God. Uh, and so if, the, if you, know, you know, there are some things where it's most of the time it's this way, but then one time he'll do it a little different just to, just to let us know, just like, there, there for example, there, there are some people who say that that only, uh, only the apostles could heal, right? Only the apostles, or only the apostles could, for example, lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so therefore, since there are no apostles, which is not true, of course, but since there are no apostles alive today, then the, the speaking in tongues came to an end when the last apostle died, which, of course, Uh, I mean, there's so many fallacies in that statement, you know, that there are apostles today. The Bible says there are apostles today. Uh, But let's just say uh, uh, that to limit it to what they were talking about, which was apostles of the Lamb, which there are no more apostles of the Lamb, of course, the 12 that were original there with Jesus, uh, plus number 13, Matthias and and Acts chapter 1, that those are all gone. And they said that, uh, uh, that, therefore, since only apostles of the Lamb could lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit, which is what we saw most of the time in the book of Acts, then therefore that whole uh, uh, event no longer occurs. But then uh, uh, the reason why that's the case is because who was, the, who was the primary spiritual leaders of the early church? It was the apostles, right? I mean, God rose the, the, the apostles up in the gospels to, to initiate the, the building of the church in the book of Acts. That's what their primary job was, to go out and, and start the church. And so... Then it ex- expanded and, and uh, it went from just the apostolic ministry to the fivefold ministry—the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But it took some time to do that. So primarily, yeah, it was the five. I mean, the the, uh, uh, the apostles of the Lamb, because that was their go, that was their job—was to go and do that and spread the knowledge of, of what they witnessed of the Lord Jesus to the church to so the early church, and then to to infuse the church with the ability to continue on without them. And that was the, the whole goal. But then you get to Acts chapter 9, where Paul had seen Jesus on the road to Damascus. And who did he send to Paul to receive the Holy Spirit? Anybody remember the guy's name? It was Ananias, right? And not the same Ananias from Acts chapter 5, because he died, right? So this is a new Ananias, a new and improved Ananias. Uh, and so that Ananias, the, the Bible says, he was just a disciple. The Lord said, you go lay hands on Paul well, you want me to do it? Well, because probably all the other apostles are too afraid to go and lay hands on Paul. Uh, but the Lord got some, some uh, from our perspective, a nobody. You go, not an apostle, not a prophet, not an evangelist of any kind, just a guy. You go and lay hands on Paul, and, and he said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And later on, Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than y'all. And, and so sometimes the Lord would do, well, you know, he'll give us one example so that we don't turn everything else into a law. But, but if all the examples are consistent, like they are with coming to Jesus for healing, then that's the intent that the Lord wants us to understand, is that there are no exceptions. There's never an exception to healing. Uh, and, so, and we have been saying that uh, uh, for the last eight years and, and having studied the Word of God in the area of healing, I'm more convinced today, even than I was when I preached it uh, in 2015, that it's the will of God every single time without exception to heal your body. Yeah, and, and there are no exceptions, none. Now, uh, we have to ask ourselves, well, then why are people sometimes not healed? Why do, sometimes, why do people sometimes not receive healing? You think there's a special case for them that, well, God just doesn't want to heal me. And I hear people say, well, God doesn't want to heal you. Uh, I've heard ministers say, when uh, one minister in particular who, who uh, pastors a very large uh, church, thousands of people, one time said, when God decided not to heal my wife, that's when we decided to go to the doctor. And, you know, to me that's odd because if the will of God is not to heal your wife, then are you in rebellion to go the, then to go to the doctor? Because if God doesn't want to heal you, then it's not his will for you to be healed. So then for you to say, well, Lord, I'm not going to follow your will to stay sick. I'm going to rebel against your will. I'm, I'm going to go find healing. Among, isn't that rebellion? If it's God wants you to be sick, then be sick. And to not to to... to try to override that would be an act of rebellion and my bible says that rebellion is the sin is as the sin of what witchcraft, witchcraft right and, and so it's just it's 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 gobbledygook doctrine to say things like that right that god doesn't want to heal you that god decided not to heal you uh and, and in fact uh, uh we read that let's see if we can't find out what the miss yeoman said earlier right we we were <laughs> we and chris were going through some Oh, the other day, I'm going to find this here about um, what Lillian B. Yeoman said the other day, right? And maybe you can find it too, Chris. Um, you might be able to find it uh, quicker than I can because it's, uh, I know there's that file there. We'll go down to, you just hang on, just relax. We'll get there. We're almost there. Here we are. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, this is a quote, and This came from her book here, uh, but I wrote it down because if, uh, if it's an important statement here it's it's helpful to write it down so you can find it later on Uh, she said if I pray and don't get results I start changing now that's a good statement right there if I pray and I don't get results I start changing why she said she asked the question why why do I start changing because some people they won't change they're doing something and and they're not getting their results they will stay until death right I mean they will go to the bitter end and, and I ain't changing Well, why not? You know, dummy, if if you're doing the same thing and and it's not not working. uh, She said, because there will have to be a change somewhere before the answer can come. And the change won't be with God because God never changes. Now, that's a good statement right there, right? That that she's going to start changing because there has to be a change somewhere before the answer can come. And the change won't be with God. God, you need to make a special case for me. He's not going to make a special case for you. Uh, he's already, he's already de- declared that I, will, that I am the Lord that healed thee. He didn't say, I am sometimes. I am when I feel like it. I, I always am the Lord that healed thee. And so if you're not receiving healing, then, then, then what do you need to do? Well, you need to change. There, there were some times when Jesus had to say, son, thy sins are forgiven thee before he could heal him. A change had to occur in that man's spiritual life Prior to the Lord being able to, not he didn't change it. His will was to heal before, but he couldn't because of the sin. His his will was to heal while he was being forgiven, but he couldn't because he hadn't finished uh, uh, receiving his his uh, forgiveness yet. And the will of God was to heal him after he received his forgiveness. And then that's the point when he was able to accomplish it was after the man received his forgiveness. And, and then that was and that was in Luke chapter five, right? With the man born by four. His four friends he said son thy sins are forgiven thee <clears throat> and then he he was able to heal heal the man so the man had to change right something had to change something had to change in this realm where we live prior to the man receiving his healing and, and and you will find that same concept pretty much in all the blessings of the lord that if you're not receiving the blessings of the lord the way that you think you should or the way that you desire them to be received into your life then who needs to change? Then you do. Maybe it's your confession. Maybe it's your sin. I mean, sometimes it's not always sin, right? It's not always, well, I'm doing something wrong. Sometimes it's a lack of knowledge. Well, I didn't even know that's how you pray. I just thought it was okay that, well, you know, uh, I'm always the first one to get flu. I'm not, you know, it's just, you know, I'm not trying to do anything. You know, you don't, you don't know that sometimes it's your words, right? Sometimes it's your confession. That, uh, well, you know, I come from a long line. You know, my mother died of this. My grandmother died of this. My great-grandmother died of this. Even my neighbor died of that. I don't even know. I'm not related to her, but she died of it. So more than likely, I'm going to die of it. Uh, Well, what are you doing? Well, you're opening up the door to the devil. And the Lord's like, look, I want to help you, but your words are a hindrance to my operating in your life. So it could be your words. You know, it could could be sin. It could be your words. It could be that, you mean, uh, uh, we can be healed? You know, there are people who just don't even know that. People who, who have no concept that God desires to heal them. So, so they're not against it. They're, they're not uh, uh, actively working uh, to say that God doesn't want to heal. They just don't know. Nobody's ever taught them those things. You know, there are plenty of churches in the world, they never hear a message on healing. Never hear a message on healing. In fact, we had a neighbor who, said, uh, who went to his pastor said, hey, you know, I'm interested in the topic of healing you know, I've been here five years, I've never heard a message on healing. Can you imagine five years? Not even hearing anything about, I mean, if you remove healing school from our services, how often do you hear that God wants to heal you? All the time, right? I mean, it's because it's such an important topic that the Lord has provided for us, and he spent so much time talking about it and writing about it in his words. Surely it's something that we wouldn't want to mention on occasion. And of course we do and he said I've been here five years I would like to hear a message on healing I would like to know some more about it and of course the pastor said well we don't believe in it that's why we don't teach it it's like okay that's fair and I'm thinking but you're still going to that church you know and I didn't you know he went to the church none of my business right but I'm thinking that's the dumbest thing you know you go to you go to Walmart you give them money and you leave with no groceries (laughs) well I, I gave you money you know can I get some groceries no we don't believe in groceries and that's not bad enough, but then the, the response is like, okay. And they leave like, that's a good thing, right? Now, nobody would do that, right? You go and you give them money and you, well, I gave you money. Well, yeah, but we, just don't, we don't feel like giving you groceries today. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people who should go to the church and say, can, can I get a refund? I mean, I've given you all this money. And, and you've not helped me at all. You've told me that God wants me to be sick, that God doesn't speak to me, that God doesn't do miracles, that, you know, that there's no more apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, that, that God won't move supernaturally in my life. And none of that's true. But I've been giving you all this money, and, and, and you send them a bill, right? Uh, and you know, it, it's, uh, I was just thinking about when we, when we were singing there about the Lord, you know that uh, people think that, that it's a radical statement that God wants to heal you every single time. You think about how big God. You know, I was reading in the Book of Psalms the other day. You know, I mean, we all know that that uh, uh, Jesus said that the very hairs on your head are numbered. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you comb your hair with a brush, and there's a hair right there, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and the Lord goes, oh, that's eighty-seven right there, number eighty-seven. Just let's lost number eighty-seven. You know, he'll be back in a couple of days, but you know, but he won't be. It won't be the same eighty-seven. It'll Be a new one. It'll Be you know, one hundred and fifty-three. You know, a few days from now. But you visualize now. <laughs> You know, when you, when you do that, do you ever take your hairbrush and go, oh, you, you take out your hair, you lay them all out. Okay, I'm going to uh, track all of these hairs. This was 87, 88, 89. What would you think about somebody who did that? You think, this person needs to go somewhere quiet, right? Somewhere safe. What would you think about somebody who, does, who, who would spend that much time tracking just the hairs on their head, right? And yet the, the Bible says that the, the stars of heaven, he said he calls them by name. You know, I mean, you look up, we see, we see, you know, the sun is a star, right? Uh, you know, some people say, really, it's a star? It's a star, right? And so, and you know, shooting stars are not actually stars, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, some people will name nameless, you know, thought that shooting stars were actually literally stars falling in the sky. But, you know, no stars are ginormous, right? They're, I mean, our sun is just an average size star and we could put a million earths in the sun. And the Lord has, we don't know what the name of it is, but it's got a name. Every star you see in the sky, and we don't know how many stars there are. There's trillions of stars. And God's got a name for every one of them. Every single star he's got a name. He names the stars. Why would he spend, I mean, of course he can do that because he's he's God, right? He's not not limited in any way. But why would he go to that much trouble to track the names of every star and every hair in your head he, he numbers, but heal your, I can't heal your body. Uh, You know, you know why you can't heal your body? Because you're too busy tracking stars and hairs to heal your body, I guess. You know, I mean, is that is that to make sense? No, but but it's not radical for the Lord to be able to and have the capacity to name all the stars and track the very hairs in your head. But somehow he doesn't want to heal your body. And, you know, and I think sometimes uh, people say things like that. And I think, have you ever met the Lord? Do you not know him at all? Because people say things and think, you've never met him. He, he's such a wonderful and kind God. How would he not want to heal your body? How would he not want to do every- I mean, he sent his own son to die for you, but he won't heal your body. I mean, the greatest sacrifice he could ever do to give his own son, his own child to die in your behalf, without you being required to receive the, the gift of that the death that he, that he sent his son for, he, he doesn't make anybody receive that. He offers it to everybody, but it doesn't make anybody to do that. So he, I mean, it was a big risk. You know, uh, uh, we were talking about building houses. You know, some, some, some uh, builders, they build what's called a spec house, right? It, it's, a, it's just short for speculative. I'm gonna build a house hoping that somebody buys it. What if nobody buys it? You know, I was talking to a friend of mine not long ago and he said, you know, they, were, they had a bunch of houses being built. They were buying, building all these spec houses Back in 2008, when the the real estate market just crashed. And they lost everything. Why? Because they were building with the hopes of somebody buying it. But what if nobody bought it? They would all go bankrupt. And the Lord did the same thing. He sent Jesus with the hopes that somebody would receive him. But but it could have been where nobody received him. But he had so much confidence uh, in, in his love for us that he would overwhelm us with that knowledge of that love And that we would, we some of us would choose to receive that gift, but nobody was required to receive it, and he just did it on his own. Uh, And yet, uh, we we think that God doesn't want to heal us. And to me, it's the easiest thing in the world to believe that God wants to heal me. It's not hard at all, uh, because a lot of times people will think that that their sin somehow has changed God's will for their life, that God does not want to heal me anymore because of something that I did, and yet. He knew that she was going to do that. He knew this, which is the whole reason he sent Jesus to begin with. He knew 2,000 years after Jesus, on a Friday morning, you were going to do that. that so that's why I'm going to send Jesus. Because they're going to do that, and they're going to need help. And I'm going to be a blessing to them. I'm going to, I know they're going to do that, so I'm going to send Jesus anyway, so that if they'll receive him, they will receive the help to over, overcome that sin. It's not a hindrance. It's a knowledge that you're going to do that anyway. And if you will receive the work of the Lord Jesus and his forgiveness uh, and stay in that, that, that frame of living in the grace of God, free from the sins that we do and just not do the sins, you know, you can't live a life without sin. It is possible to live a life without sin. Amen. Uh, but, you know, more than likely you will probably sin sometime between now and your last breath on the earth. You can be forgiven for that. Amen. And if that sin is a hindrance to you receiving the Lord Jesus, why would you hang on to that and not repent? Well, I ain't repenting. I didn't do nothing wrong. Well, you know you did wrong. People you know, people all the time, they say, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, you can tell by your attitude that you know you've been wrong. You just don't want to admit that you've done wrong. And, and, you know, know, with the Lord, I I always err on the side of caution. Well, Lord, you know, uh, I mean, just in case, I'm going to repent of this thing, right? I mean, if it's a hindrance, I'm going to repent of it. Uh, You know, the the story when um, uh, Dodie Osteen, John Osteen's wife, uh, he actually went home to be with the Lord before she did, but she had, uh, had uh, contracted uh, terminal brain cancer. And she was not feeling well, went to the doctor, and they did a bunch of tests on her, and they said, you need to go home and prepare to die. There's nothing we can do. This is an inoperable brain tumor. And um, sorry, I mean, you know, we caught it too late. Sometimes they can do, you know, chemo or radiation or something to fix it. In this case, they couldn't do anything, go home and die. And so she went home and said, well, Lord, I mean, you're my healer. I don't want to die. I've got young kids, and, and uh, you know, I don't know if, if her kids were grown at that time. And, um, but uh, she had children for sure. And, uh, you know, she was a help to her husband. And so she just said, well, I'm just going to clear the table. So she started writing letters to anybody she'd ever had any conflict with. Hey, please forgive me, you know. Uh, I just want to make sure there's nothing left on my table. Nothing left that... that uh, you know, that, that could possibly be a hindrance to me receiving healing. And she just made, made it a point that, you know, whether she was right or wrong, if, there, if that rose up in her, that that was a conflict, she's going to write a letter. So she wrote letters to people, hey, please forgive me. Uh, and, I, and I want you to know that I forgive you, and there's no uh, ill will or hard feelings about that circumstance or situation. So that she could be in a position to receive what was already given to her. She just wanted to make sure there was no hindrance on her side. And I think it's a great testimony. If you ever get a chance, you should read it, you know. Uh, it's a little yellow book. Uh, I think the title was called Healed of Cancer, right? Uh, and so uh, it's a great, te- not a very big book, but it's a great testimony because she wanted to remove any hindrance on her side of receiving what she knew was the will of God already and has unchanged, right? The will of God has never changed in respect to his desire to heal your body, never. It's always, It's always there, amen? So sometimes we need more information sometimes we need to make some changes on our on our side sometimes we need to uh, uh, increase our faith I mean there's a lot of things for uh, you know people a lot of times will say well if you just had more faith you know that's not always the problem amen lack of faith is not sometimes it is the problem but sometimes it's not the problem sometimes it's just other things right and so sometimes you have to go to the Lord and say Lord uh just like uh, Dr. Yeoman said uh who starts changing? She does. Maybe she's going to go uh, repent of some words that she said, right? Maybe there were words that were that uh, were bad confession words, you know. That well, you know, my DNA is not very strong, you know, and, and so it's it's really uh, really easily overwhelmed by viruses. Germs pretty good, you know. I'm pretty good overcome, but viruses, you know, I can't overcome viruses. And I mean, maybe you know, or I don't know anybody actually talks like that, but uh, but it could be your words, right? Uh, and uh, and you know i've told you the story uh where uh <clears throat> when i had that strep throat for uh for many years i you know by that time that was in 1997 i'd been saved for 16 years by that time or actually uh uh, sev- uh 17 years 1997 i was born again in 1980 so i'd been born again for 17 years I, I came into the church knowing that god heals right i mean not immediately because i didn't know but soon you know, i went to a charismatic church and they started talking about healing is the easiest thing in the world for me to believe that God heals. So I've been saved for 17 years, believing for the vast majority of that time that God's a healer, and yet I wasn't receiving healing. And so I went to the Lord about it. He said, well, you're, you're, you're trying to cast out a devil and that sickness is not caused by a demonic presence. So it wasn't it was, it wasn't lack of faith. It wasn't sin. It, it, it wasn't anything, but it was a wrong application of the power of God. I was uh, trying to apply... Uh, casting out a devil to fix uh, fix my sickness when my sickness was not caused by a demonic presence and so it was just it was just ignorance on my part right uh, it was it was assuming that the cause was this when the cause was something else and so and as soon as I asked the Lord he showed me but I dealt with it for years and and unlike Dr. Yeomans I didn't change casting out devil you know every year casting out devil i bind you devil in images you devil you know you throat devil whatever i bind you in jesus you get off me jesus jesus name right and the devil's probably over in the corner just laughing at me go look there he goes again trying to catch i ain't i'm over here i'm not over there you know you cast me out i'm not over there there's no devil's there and of course it was did the devil give me any revelation no he's not going to give me any revelation he doesn't have any to begin with but the lord you know if i'd asked the lord years before that hey lord what's up he'd have said well dummy you know you're 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 doing the wrong thing you know and and so so there was no sin involved there there was no lack of knowledge involved right it wasn't that I didn't know God's a healer I knew God was a healer it it was just my presumption that well this is what you do right if it's a you cast out a devil but every sickness is not caused by devils and so you can't make a law and that's what I'd done I'd made a law and the purpose of a law is to remove the spirit of God from the situation so that I can handle it entirely on my own and this is, the, this is why you do it. You cast out devils. And the Lord's like, well, I didn't tell you to cast the devil out of that. Uh, and, and you remember uh, in Acts 19, turn over Acts 19 real quick. And, and um, you know, even if, there, even if there's a devil, it doesn't mean you've got to cast it out. It says in, in, ver, in Acts 19, verse 11, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, And the diseases departed of them, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, there's no casting out a devil here. There was no in the name of Jesus. You know, Jesus said in Mark 16, "By my name thou shalt cast out devils." But is there any action of casting out a devil here? No. There was an application of a prayer. We call it prayer cloth that had touched Paul's body and transferred the power of God from his from his uh, from himself into that cloth and was delivered to a person at some distance away and and by applying that cloth to, to their physical body uh, whatever sickness uh, was in them it says diseases departed from them so it, it had a curative effect but also it says and the evil spirits went out of them it had a deliverance effect and yet the name of Jesus was not applied specifically to cast out a devil so even if there's a devil involved if the Lord says well just do this and the devil will leave but many times the devil will leave just because you're still operating in faith because if you're operating in faith it will always override the devil amen and so you have to well so how do you know when to cast out a devil or when not to cast out a devil that's the point of having the spirit of god on the inside of you he will show you uh, stand in front of that person and and command that devil to leave them in jesus name sometimes even if you know it's a devil just lay hands on them and and you know that you think the devil wants to be in the presence of the holy spirit it's called holy for a reason right no devil wants to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes just laying hands on the sick, even if the sickness was caused by a demonic presence, that evil spirit will leave because it does not, it does not want to remain in the presence of the Spirit of God. Uh, and so you have to know and be led by the Spirit of God in all of your ministry. You've got to know. I know Jesus said, in, uh, by my name they shall cast out devils In my name they shall cast out devils. But he wasn't making it a law that every single time you've got to cast out a devil. Uh, because, again, if you make it a law, then you're saying, Lord, don't speak to me. I already know what to do in this case. Uh, then, then the Lord's like, yeah, but that's not, that's not going to work in this case. Why not? I don't know. You know, he's the one in charge. He knows what the spirit realm and how it operates. Uh, he knows what to do for every situation. In this case, there were devils involved, but there was no casting out a devil. As we consider, you know, when we say casting out a devil, you know, we say in the name of Jesus, you know, uh, we cast you out. Well, there was no devil. uh, There was no casting out a devil as we traditionally uh, explain it. But there were devils here. And just by the presence of a prayer cloth, it was enough to cause the devils to leave that person's body. Uh, And so uh, and, you know, again, we don't have really much other verses related to this particular topic here. Uh, We can still use it by faith because we see that it works here. But uh, and, you know, sometimes the Lord will have me to lay hands on, on a prayer cloth. Uh, and I do that by the direction of the Spirit of God. It's not a law that always works. You know, he said back in Mark 16, "That the the, the believer shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So, we know, because he said that, that we have the right to do that in in every single case. But there there are some cases where if you're led by the Spirit of God, that what you need to do is to put your hands on a prayer cloth and send the prayer cloth. And so you have to do this by the direction of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, people uh, have a hard time with that because we like rules and regulations, right? We want, we want formulas, okay, do this, this, and this, and it, it always works, but you can't make a formula. Not with any ministering of God, you can't make a formula because sometimes, uh, just like with, with Hezekiah, uh, you know, the prophet was there, and the Lord said, you go, you go make, uh, uh, put figs on, on his, uh, you know, some people say that the sickness that he had was a boil on his, on his knee, go put figs on it on his knee. Why couldn't the prophet just speak to it? He could have, right? I mean, he was a prophet Isaiah. He could have. I mean, he was pretty, pretty above average prophet, right? Uh, and so, but, but, but why that? Because that's what the Lord said to do. Well, how would you know that if you're not listening? How would you know? Oh, well, you know, I'm Moses and, and you know, oh, for figs, for, for boils, we've got a special, you know, uh, 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 snake oil over here. We can put some of the snake oil on your boil and that always works. You know, we've, we've tried it. You know, 8 out of 10 times, you know, they, they survive. Two, 2 out of 10, they all die, you know, but it's terrible. But, you know, uh, most of the time it works, right? No guarantee, but, you know. But if, if the Spirit of God says, go put that on there, well, Lord, you know, we got faith. We don't need, no, we don't need figs. We got faith. Well, sometimes the Lord says, we'll go do it anyway. Well, and so what are you going to do? If the Lord says to do it, what should you do? I mean, you know, uh, when Naaman went to, went to Elisha, is to go dip in the river jordan seven times names like i got better rivers over where i'm from syria where i'm at than this muddy old stream of the jordan river doesn't matter that's what the prophet said to do i mean the prophet said to do that because that's what the lord said to do why seven times why not six why not eight i don't know the lord said seven. Seven. that's the number well it's 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 you know the number of completion or whatever you know it, it was seven because it was seven because the lord said it was seven yeah, and was there magic numbers no Uh, but uh, you know it it was the number right and so uh, you've got to be led by the Spirit of God in these things amen Uh, because if you're not you're going to turn all of healing into a law as best you can because our flesh loves to live in a situation where we don't have to hear from the Spirit of God I've got this but I've got this I'm going to go lay hands on everybody but sometimes you don't lay hands on everybody you know Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda and said there were multitudes there Uh, and uh, how many people were healed when he went to the pool of Bethesda? Just one guy. Well, why not about other people? Well, you see, God will sovereignly move on occasion for people, uh, uh, but he will always yield to faith. But sometimes he'll move sovereignly, right? So he went sovereignly because the Lord sent him there. He went to the pool of Bethesda. He found the man. The man got healed. sovereign act of God the man wasn't pursuing Jesus he didn't even know if Jesus was around Uh, because when Jesus said will thou be healed he said I have no man to put me in you know because other people uh, you know cut line in front of me and I'm thinking, you've been there for all this all this time you know trip trip up some of these guys and get ahead of them right I mean you know just just stay by the edge of the pool just roll in you know and and um, I mean you know you can't walk but you can roll in I mean I mean you know to me it's like you don't want it bad enough right you know, just. If you want it bad enough, just stay by the edge of the pool and just fall in. You know, I have no man to put me in. Just fall in. You can, anybody can fall. Doesn't take a genius to fall. You don't have to be super strong to just fall into the, you know. So, you know, I don't know if he wanted all that bad or not, but, uh, but Jesus asked him, and will you, be, will you be held? So he didn't know who Jesus was. And Jesus said, you know, take up your cot and be healed. But nobody else was healed. So, see, therefore, it's not the will of God. He, he doesn't say that. Because I can guarantee you, anybody else at the pool, if they were smart, they would, hey, can I get some of that? Oh, yeah, you can get some of that. What's amazing to me is nobody asked. You know, they just saw a man, and they all knew him because he'd been around for a long time. They all knew, hey, Bob, hey, Joe, you know, they all all knew each other. And he got healed. They go, wow, wouldn't that be nice? If any of them had said, hey, thou son of David, can you have mercy on me too? Can I get some of that? Guaranteed. Because how many people received healing that came to Jesus? All of them. How many received healing and asked Jesus for healing? All of them, right? And so sometimes God will sovereignly move, will move in a situation and, and provide a blessing for for somebody. And that's really the miraculous power of God, which is sovereign, right? The, the gifts of the Spirit are sovereign. Uh, but the thing that the Lord showed me many years ago is every miracle that somebody receives by sovereignty, any Christian can, can receive by faith. Uh, and so... If you see that somebody obtains something by a sovereign move of God, you say, well, Lord, you know, I need that same thing. And and if you did it for them, you will do it for me. So you can receive it by faith if you choose to receive it by faith, if you believe God for it. Amen. Uh, You can't just, well, wouldn't it be nice? Uh, You know, because we we love it when God moves sovereignly on our behalf because it requires no faith. Uh, Would God just do something for us? And, you know, God does do things for people uh, many times for for the church. He'll just sovereignly move and be a blessing to somebody in the church, sometimes heal them, sometimes provide them wisdom or some benefit, some, some blessing. And oftentimes, other people in the church go, well, wouldn't that be nice? would it be nice to be just like them? Aren't they lucky? Right. And then we say things like that, amen? But, it was, but from my perspective, if I see anybody receive anything, my thoughts are, well, Lord, if, they, if you'll do that for them, you'll do that for me. And I can ask you for that and because you love me. And I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know you did things like that. But I'm glad that you, that you did that for them, even if it's a sovereign move, because if you did that for them, then you'll do it for me, amen, because you're not a respecter of persons. Uh, and so, is it the will of God to heal every single time? Yes. It is. Is that a radical or a fanatical statement? It's not just normal, have you ever met the Lord kind of statement, right? If you've ever met the Lord, it's like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's obvious that God would want to heal you, amen? Uh, and, and so, and yet, even today, people still think that's a radical statement. Even people who come to this class, oftentimes think that's a radical statement, that that's that's an excessive statement, that's a statement that's that's uh, that you can't. It's just not true. They'll say things that's just not true. Even people, you know, and this hasn't happened in many years, but uh, people that have been involved in the Pentecostal church for decades, decades, right? Not a day or week, decades, right? Will come to me and say, "Do you really believe it's God's will every single time to heal?" Yes, every single time. And they'll leave shaking their head going, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And to me, it's sad. If you're, you know, from decades in a denominational church that lied and said God doesn't heal, okay, fine. You know, I mean, you shouldn't you should stay somewhere where they lie to you. But, you know, that's not my, not my business. But, you know, if you've been taught all your Christian life that God doesn't heal and now suddenly you find out that God does heal, it takes a while to, to sometimes it doesn't have to, but it, sometimes it takes a while to, Unlearn some things, right? Just unlearn, uh, just unlearn some things. You know, one time, uh, uh, Brother Hagem was praying, and the Lord showed him a vision of like an old shoe. And, and, and Brother Hagem said, "What's that?" Lord so said, "That's some things that you're still hanging on to from your denominational days. You need to get out of your out of your heart that you've been believing, you know, about me and stuff." And, and so, sometimes an old old rotten shoe, right? When we were working on a house, we found some old rotten shoes right in the in the walls and stuff. Been there for probably fifty years. You know and and just uh they're unusable right but this old shoe just sitting there old shoe probably got old old foot odor in it too uh, and, and, and for 50 years been sitting in there well how many old shoes are in your heart right you pull out they go get rid of that thing you know somebody oh this hang on to it it's an antique you know antique just is a fancy name for old right and, and so now i do like some antiques if they're nice you know but but some things they're not antiques they're just old and so some old shoes in your heart, they're just old, right? Just get rid of them, amen? Just move on. Well, I might need them. No, just move on, amen? Get rid of them. Uh, and so it is not, uh, I, I don't consider it even radical at all to make a statement that God wants to heal your body every single time without exception. Amen. That is not a radical statement. That is not, it's sure not a fanatical statement. And yet uh, there are ministers, there was one minister who even said that. He, he was a president of a Pentecostal college. So not a denominational college who will lie and say that God doesn't do these things. Uh, a Pentecostal, he said, uh, all you people who, have, who hang on to the fanatical idea that God always wants to heal, you need to get rid of that. Because sometimes God needs to use sickness for your benefit. You know, and, and that's just, uh, it's just absurd. Uh, you know, from, from any, now you, you know, you can find scriptures in the Old Covenant, Old Testament that says things that it would imply something like that. But that's from the Old Covenant, right? That's not from, from where we live in the New Testament. You have to temper everything you read in the Old Covenant with the light of the New Testament. If, you, if your doctrine is built entirely upon Old Covenant verses, I can guarantee you it's going to be wrong somewhere. If you, if you can't take, you have to take any doctrine that you, that you find in the Old Covenant and, and shine the light of the New Testament upon it and see if it's still for us today. And if it's not, you've got to get rid of it just like the curse of the law, right? People love the curse of the law. Oh, you got, oh you're cursed. Yeah, you're cursed, yeah. And, and, and sometimes they have a badge of honor. I have generational curses. You, do you think you can curse, I got generational curses, right? And they love that because one verse in the Old Testament says that he, that, 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 uh, he will visit the sins uh, of the father upon the third and fourth generation of the children. But they don't read the rest of the verse, which says, to them that hate me. So they love the generational curses because, oh yeah, it explains all their problems without them having to be responsible for their problems. Because if it's a curse that came from their dad, well, it's not my fault. It's my dad's fault. And it's his curse. And so, you know, and yet, Galatians 3.13 says what? That Christ has to redeem this from what? The curse, the, the curse of the law. Yeah, but that's only true if there's no curses. Because if it's a curse, you still get it. See, Christians have a hard time with that. you know. And in fact, even around here, uh, we, you know, who is a curse... Who, who, who is qualified on the Old Covenant... Who is qualified to receive a curse? People that are perfect or people that, are, that fail? People that fail, right? According to Deuteronomy 28. If you do everything he says, you get all the blessings. And if you don't do everything he says, what do you get? Curse. You get the curses. So the curses are for those who are in disobedience to the Lord. And so... Then if Galatians 3.13 is so... That Christ has to redeem us from the curse of the law... Then, if you fail under the new covenant, are you then exposed to the curse of the law? What's the answer? The answer is no. So, if you, so, if you sin, do you get a curse? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a curse. We just read you're redeemed from the curse of the law because redemption is for the ones who fail. Redemption is not ne- needed for the perfect ones, right? Redemption is needed for the fa- the ones who fail. So, if you fail and sin, do you get the curse? And, and how many charismatic, oh, yeah, curse on you, hex on you, right? Curse for you and curse for you. And yet Jesus said he redeemed us from the curse because we're the ones who fail. All of us have failed. Amen. And if we've been redeemed, so then how do you ever get bad things? Well, you know, sinning does not, there, 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 is, there is an extreme teaching in the church that says because of grace and because of things like Galatians 3.13, that doesn't matter what we do, we're okay. No, that's not true. It's just in the, in the old co- covenant, the curse was a legal uh, response to your sin. That the devil had a legal right to come to your life and, and to inflict whatever he wanted to inflict upon you if you sinned. He had a legal right just immediately, you sin, he can go do it. But now under grace, you know, if you sin, there's still grace and mercy that's there. And the devil's like, I gotta, you know, he, he still will eventually figure a way into it, but it's a lot harder in the New Testament. Because uh, Ephesians 4.27 says, neither give place to the devil so it doesn't mean that you you have there are no ramifications to sin in the new testament it's just a lot more difficult because we are children of god we have the spirit of god in us but it doesn't make us just completely uh free from any ramifications of sin but it does keep us free from the law of of uh, of curse that if you sin immediately the devil has a free uh, reign to do whatever he wants to in your life that's not true we are redeemed from the curse because the curse is for the guilty Amen. Amen. And you've got you've got to you've got to get that settled in your heart. But people will take that they will take that to an extreme and say, well then therefore I don't have to do anything. But then what do you do about Ephesians 4 twenty-seven that says, Neither give place to the devil. So it's not a curse, but you can't open yourself up to the devil. Amen. Amen? And he can operate in your life. And then if you'll just close the door on the devil, because you open the door, so, the, so if you open the door, you've got to close the door. <clears throat> and, and so sometimes there are things you've got to do. But it's not a curse. A curse will happen immediately. And, you know, it's going to be the worst and the devil has a legal right to do it. He doesn't have a legal right to come and destroy your life, you know, not by because the Old Testament, you know, if you look at the Old Testament, uh, the Lord, the way the Lord showed me, it makes a lot more sense. When you read like Deuteronomy 28, you got half the chapters, really not even half the chapter, but a part part of the chapter is if you obey me, you get all these blessings. And then then about two thirds of the chapter after that, uh, it's all the curses, right? But people think that, that it's a threat from the Lord. If you do these things wrong, I'm going to curse you. But they're reading it incorrectly. The way you're supposed to read it is it's a warning. The Lord says, right now, within my covenant, there is freedom and protection. If you, if you exceed and go beyond my covenant, I can't help you. You are on the devil's territory. He has a legal right to destroy your life. So this is a warning. Don't go past this boundary because the devil has a legal right to destroy your life. And so if we would read the Old Testament as a warning and not as a threat, because people think, well, God's going to curse me. God's not cursing anybody. He's never cursed anybody. He's always warned the church and the people of God, don't go beyond my covenant. There's danger there. Now in the new covenant, because of grace, we can go anywhere we want to in the world and, and pretty much you know, <clears throat> uh, have the freedom to, to go and advance his kingdom anywhere we, we want to, even on the devil's territory if the Lord tells us to go there. Uh, but if we mess up, the devil doesn't have a legal right to immediately come and destroy your life. He will do the best job he can, and you will open the door. But even when you open the door, when the door's open, he's still going to see the, the Holy Spirit in your life and go, I'm not sure I want that. I'm not sure I want any part of that. And so there's a lot of times that he's constrained, not because of your goodness, but because you still have the Spirit of God in you. Even if you sin, you know, he said he would never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't say, you know, as soon as you get to 56 miles an hour, I'm gone. A lot of people think that, well, you know, the, devil only, the angels only fly at 55 miles an hour. And none, there's no angels that can fly past 55 miles an hour. <clears throat> and and so, so the devil will get you. Uh, and that's just not true. Because when you sin and open the door to the devil, the Spirit of God is still in you. Uh, and so you think the devil wants that? You think he wants part of that? He doesn't he want part of that. He's going to tiptoe and try to sneak, sneak past the best he can. And sometimes he's, he's able to do that, right? Sometimes he's able to bring uh, death and destruction into your life because you've opened the door to the, to the devil. Before in the Old Covenant, when you sin, the devil's like, I got him, no problem, I'll take it from here. And, and there was no constraint from God's side because you're now on the devil's territory. But, but see, the, the extreme teaching of grace is you can live however you want to and you never open the door to the devil. Well, that's not true. Paul said, you open, you open yourself to the devil. In fact, he says, give no place to the devil there in Ephesians 4, 27. That word place there means license. You have given the license to the devil to operate in your life. You still have got the spirit of God in there. So, you know, uh, that, that's really uh, gives the devil pause to operate in your life. Amen. Even if you gave him license, he said, yeah, but you got that Holy Spirit in you. And that makes me really nervous. Now, and and I have seen you before, you repent pretty quick, so, you know, I just don't know that I'm going to do that. And a lot of times, not, you won't see any ramifications. Does that give you a license to sin? No, it's foolish to sin on purpose, amen? Of course, there are no sins except they're all on purpose, but it's foolish to sin, especially with the idea that, well, nothing, there's no ramifications to that. I wouldn't roll the dice. You want to roll the dice? I'm not rolling the dice, amen? So it's, you know, there, there is a distinction, but if we have been... Cur- if we have been redeemed or purchased from the curse of the law, then when we sin, do we now get the curse? The answer is no. And, and even some people in church would say that's a radical idea. And yet, who, who is redeemed from the curse of law except for those who need to be redeemed from the curse of law? The righteous have never been redeemed from the curse of law because they have no need to be redeemed from the curse because they've never committed a sin that would cause the curse to come. In fact, the Old Testament says the curse causeless shall not come. Right, if there's no cause, if you've never done anything wrong that would allow the curse to come, then then you're good. You, know you know, don't twenty eight don't even apply to you. If you've never done anything that would cause the curse to come, then you're good anyway. But I don't know anybody's ever you know anybody's lived perfect in their whole life. I don't know anybody's lived perfect in their whole life. So uh, if you do sin, does that mean you're cursed? It does not mean you're cursed. You know, I've heard people preach you know they they love malachi chapter 3 he talking about tie, bring your tithes and offerings to the storehouse right uh, and is that a true statement sure did, did he say if you tithe that he will open the windows of heaven he did say that right so are we are we redeemed from the blessings of the law no so if there's any blessings of the law they still belong to us because we're children of abraham right the the, the law was given to abraham and to the children of abraham and so if if he says that when we tithe that he'll open the windows of heaven then if we tithe in the New Testament, will we get the windows of heaven open to us? He, we, we will. But it says, if you don't tithe, you're cursed with a curse. Now, I've heard preachers get up just spitting mad. If you don't tithe, you're all cursed. Everyone is cursed. Curse on you. I checked your records the other day. No tithe, curse on you. <clears throat> and so, is that true? No, it's not true. Now, are you qualified for the windows of heaven if you don't tithe? No, you're not qualified because the qualification for the windows of heaven is to be obedient. So you don't get the blessings of the law by, by uh, not doing them, but you don't get the, you don't get the curse of the law by uh, sinning either. So you're kind of a no man's land, right? You've just opened yourself up, you've opened yourself up to the, to the devil and whatever he's willing to sneak by uh, the Holy Spirit to do, that's what he'll try to do. So, so, so you're saying if I don't tithe, I'm not cursed? Nope, you are not cursed. But you are not blessed either. You're on your own. You want to work the rest of your life on your own? go for it you know i'd much rather work uh rest of my life with the blessings of the lord you work one hour and it's the same thing as you get paid 10 hours right isn't that a better deal right you work and all your equipment uh stays working right you don't nothing breaks and you remember the children of israel they traveled in the wilderness 40 years it says even their shoes uh didn't wear out 40 years none of the women were happy i want new shoes i can't get new shoes these are fine right now all the men were like sweet same shoes 40 years no problem you know i love that you know all the men, women like, I want new shoes. You know, I want to get new shoes. I want these to wear out so I can go buy new ones. And so at least 50% of the people were glad by that. Uh, and so, you know, there, there are blessings to come that you can't even quantify that, wow, nothing breaks. Nothing wears out. Nothing, nothing uh, want, runs out, you know, and, and so, and I'm not making a promises of what's going to happen in those things. I'm just saying that if you live in the blessings of the Lord, you know, he said, everything that you lay your hands to will prosper, well, is that true? That's, that's part of the blessings of the law. Uh, and you have to qualify for the blessings of law, just like in the Old Covenant, you had to, uh, had to qualify for the curse of the law. But in the New Testament, the qualification for the blessings of the law is the obedience to the law. Right? Whatever, the, whatever the word says, which is you know, really the whole book of the, of the word, the whole, whole Bible, but primarily the New Testament, uh, if, you, if you stay in obedience to the word, you have access to all the blessings of heaven, including healing. Amen. And so what, what if you did something, uh, some sin, and you know that this sin brought on that sickness? Can't you repent? Uh, I mean, if you repent, can't you repent? And then if you repented, then, because then, uh, some people say, well, because I sinned, then, then this curse has come on me, and there's just nothing I can do about it. Well, that's not true at all. If you sinned and you opened the door to the devil to allow that it come in, and the Lord reveals that to you because just like uh, what Dr. Yeoman said, she starts changing. But, you know, but really for me, if I'm doing something and it's not working, I don't start changing immediately. First thing I do is go to the Lord first. Lord, what's up? And I ask him, Lord, what's up? Because do you think he knows? Because it could be a lot of things. Now, at the end of it, you're going to be changing. But I'd much rather change by the direction of the Holy Ghost than just let's just try it. Because that's the way I've observed a lot of Christians would do. If their things aren't working in their life, they'll start changing things. They'll change jobs, change spouses, change churches, change uh, cities, you know, change their socks, you know, whatever it is, they'll start changing things with the hope that they stumble upon the right answer. And to me, that could take a long time, and you can make a lot of mistakes doing that. I've seen a lot of people make a lot of mistakes. They'll just, well, I'm going to go to a different church. And the problem has always been them. Well, if I go to a different church, you know, it'll be better. You know, uh, one person said, it was a great revelation, he, he said, wherever you are is where you're at. That's deep, isn't it, right? So whatever problems you've got, if you leave, they're still the same problems. Just changing physical address does not change the problem. It doesn't change you a bit, right? I'm going to make a new start. You know, I mean, same you, right? And so I go, Lord, what's up? What can I do different Here. And and every time I've gone to the Lord, he'll show you, he'll show me, this is what you need to do, either say something or do something different, you know, whatever it is. And if I obey that, I always get the answers, right? Just like when he told me uh, that, that my problem is I'm trying to cast the devil out. And instead, I just need to use the name of Jesus and exercise my authority over sickness in general. Because remember, sometimes Jesus, he said, he rebuked the fever. He didn't say that, that um, he cast the devil out. It says he, he rebuked the fever and he didn't just command this body to be well he rebuked the fever so sometimes that's that you have to do that right well do you do that every time well that's a law. you don't do it every time but sometimes you've got to speak to the sickness and that's what i did i spoke to the sickness in in the name of jesus and you know been free from it for for uh well it'll be 26 years this november this october Uh, and so uh so we have to obey the spirit of god amen so I, I don't. If things aren't working, I don't just start changing things. But I do recognize that if things aren't working, I'm gonna have to change something. But I don't know what the change. So then I'll go to the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of me. Spirit of God, show me what I need to do different. And He'll speak to me. He'll show me what what I need to do different. You know, if I'm doing this things and they're not working, Lord, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? You know, there, there was. I'll tell you this, and we'll go. There was a pastor that uh, he, he's got a pastor of a large church, about 800 people go to his church he's got this big, you know, if you've got an 800-member church, you've got a big physical building, right? And if you've just got two services a week, you know, Sunday morning and Wednesday night or something, well, that building sits empty a lot of times. And so he's thinking, well, you know, what we should do is we should have a school, an elementary school, right? K-12 through or whatever. And so he's got a number one guy, hey, you go and research, you know, find out what it's going to take to do this. And so they're, you know, uh, combing the country talking to different churches and and different ministers. Hey, how did it work for you? What would you guys do to to get this thing set up? How much did it cost? And, you know, what's necessary for for getting licensed and all that? And so, you know, they were still working through the process, and the Lord spoke to them and said, what are you doing? Well, I'm getting ready to start a school. Well, why are you doing that? Well, we've got this big building, you know, so it might be good to start a school. Did I tell you to start a school? Well, no. Well, I I don't want you to start a school. There's other things I want you to do. And see, so he just assumed that, you know, he should start it. Now, fortunately, he didn't go into all the expense and, and effort to start it and have to shut it back down. But a lot of times, we just do something. Is there any sin with starting a, a, a Christian school for kids? Well, no, there's no sin in that. I mean, but it would be a sin if the Spirit of God told you not to do it, right? And you, and you just well, I'm doing it anyway. Well, then you'd be in sin, right? Uh, but you can't look at that and judge that from the outside and say, well, that's a sin to do that. So there, there's plenty of things that the Spirit of God will tell you to do, That it's it's not even because of your sin or, you know, it's just that's what he wants you to do. Amen. So to me, that's one of the greatest blessings of being a Christian in the New Testament is we have the great benefit of the spirit of God living on the inside of us. And he will show us specifically for you what you need to do in your life to get it back on track. And if you see that the thing is, you've got to accept that's the deal. If he shows you the deal is I've got to do that. Right. And he may say, I don't want you to, to move or to do anything. I want you to just repent in this area of your heart, you know, change, make this adjustment and then you'll be fine. Now, and and then I'll tell you one more story. We'll go. You know, uh, Brother Hagen was a pastor for 11 years. And, and the Lord spoke to him and said, I never called you to be a pastor. You know, I need you to, to go and be a pastor for a while to learn some things. But that's not your calling. Your calling is to be a prophet and a teacher. And so uh, you need to leave the church. Uh, Uh, and quit being a pastor and go out in the field ministry and go travel from church to church and so he did that for a year and he's broke after a year doesn't have any money broke you know and uh, he said my kids weren't properly uh, clothed you know Uh, my wife was not properly clothed they weren't fed well and he you know he uh, wearing out all the uh, all of his uh, shoes and he said he had to sell his car for scrap it was so bad he couldn't sell it he just had to sell it for scrap metal Uh, and so he went to the lord after a year said lord you know i'm doing what you told me to do and i'm broke and the lord said uh he he said uh, in fact uh, brother hagan quoted him uh uh, isaiah 119 and i'll just we'll just read that there uh because it's the word of god right and so people say well you know you're worshiping a man i'm you know he's just telling how the word works you know and i'm glad that he had to find it out so i didn't have to go through the trouble of finding it out and so uh he went to lord said lord you said in your word that if I be willing and obedient, I shall eat the good of the land. He said, I'm not eating the good of the land. He said, I'm not just at the bottom of the barrel. He said, I'm under the barrel. <clears throat> and so the Lord said, well, you know, you are correct that that verse is true. Is that verse true? Oh, yeah. Well, why is it true? Because the Lord spoke it's true, right? If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you're not eating the good of the land, one good place to start is this verse right here, right? Oh, yeah. Lord, am I, am, I, am I willing to be? And, and so Brother Hagin said, you know, I'm, this verse isn't working my life what's up and the lord said well you're not qualified for that verse and we I, I did what you told me to do he said yes you were obedient to do what i said he said but you've never been willing he said you you went and did the legalistic thing you went on the road you left your church you're doing these things as a check mark to say look in the flesh i'm doing what you want me to do he said but your heart's never been in it you want to be home with your kids and I called you to, to have a traveling ministry. And so the Lord said, the issue is not obedience, the issue is your willingness. Now who can now see if, if obedience was the only measure, we can measure that in the natural realm, right? Oh, you're traveling, therefore you're obedient, right? You were a pastor, and the Lord said to travel, and we noticed you stopped pastoring, now you're traveling, therefore, from just from the flesh alone, we can judge that you are obedient. But see, does the Lord only look at the natural things? Well, he looks at a man's heart can anybody tell if you're willing to do something or not? Not really. I mean, you know, if you tell them you're not willing to do it, it's fine. But, you know, but could you fake it and act like you're willing, but you're not willing? You're just obedient. You could fake it, right? And, and it wasn't, you know, some of these big, deep things that like he's planning, well, I'm going to do it, but I don't want to, right? It wasn't that. He just, you know, there was just some regrets in his heart that he had to leave his kids and his wife was now having to raise the kids. And there was just regrets, you know, that he's having to do this and but he's he's going to do it you know sometimes we'll do things we know we have to do it but we don't really want to see that's that's where we get into error if we're going to do it we should want to do it amen and now sometimes we know that our flesh doesn't want to do it we got to tell our flesh to shut up and you know sometimes you do have to do that but the Lord said you're not qualified for this verse and and brother Hagin's testimony he said don't tell me it takes a long time to change he said I just made one adjustment in my heart right there Nothing else changed on the natural realm. Still traveling, still going to different churches, still not pastoring. He said, I just made one adjustment in my heart. And he said, things immediately started turning around. Now, you know, sometimes it takes a while to turn things around, right? I mean, you've been poor for all this time and you are not but believe in God for the right way. And so sometimes there's this natural uh, time it takes to turn things around. But oftentimes you can tell immediately in the realm of the spirit when they change <laughs> and change. Um, i know i told you i would tell you one story but i can tell you one more story uh, you, you know uh, of course we've got three kids and and one of the kids that uh, when they were young just like in toddler age right two three years old four years old was acting up at church right biting kids pushing kids down you know if you know my kids you're like oh yeah i know which one it is right <laughs> but it doesn't matter which one it is uh and so uh me and chris started praying about it because we're doing all we know to do right we tell them hey you can't do that you know and we would do that we'd say hey you can't push kids down and if you know if you do that again you know well we wouldn't we'd never threaten our kids we said you can't push kids down or bite them right or eat them right? can't, or cook them you know you can't do anything like that it's all of us wrong and so but they kept doing it it wouldn't change and so we went to the lord lord what's up you know we're doing what we know to do but we're not seeing the change in the child that we expect and you know and of course the lord said well it's entirely kids fault you know Uh, Beat them a little bit more and and they'll straighten up. No, he said, he pointed his finger at us because me and Chris were praying about this. He he said, he said, the problem with the child is you, is me and Chris. That's what he said. It's it's your problem. It's your fault. Why is it my fault? He said, because you are not in agreement. You know, because oftentimes what happens in a family is, the dad will be the bad guy the mom will be the good guy sometimes the other way around dad's the good guy mom's the bad guy all the discipline comes from one parent and what happens is when that's the case then the child will go to the other parent and cry oh they're being so mean to me you know and the other parent oh it's okay honey it's all right you know and what are they doing they're being they're being in disagreement that well they're wrong but you know i'll be the nice guy and that's 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 sin right that's not being in agreement because however you discipline your children you've got to be in agreement about that amen and so the lord said you're in rebellion not you but, but the two of us were not in agreement that's what he said you're not in agreement and so we had to find that place because sometimes you know one parent wants to be really harsh the other parent wants to not be so harsh well the only way you can get agreement is to do some compromising amen to find out well what's the best place how can we find the place where we need to be together that's what love does right if you're going to be married you have going to have to do things like that and, and so if you don't married, just do whatever you eat peanut butter every day it doesn't matter right if you're married you can't eat peanut butter all the time i could you know but you know sometimes why like can we have not peanut butter today okay all right fine not peanut butter today <clears throat> and so so we had to repent now now as soon as we did that i knew in the realm of the spirit things changed immediately i knew but we go to church people say oh yeah your kid's rotten and i remember one time said well, no, we prayed about it, and, and the Lord said it's changing. Oh, you're just one of those parents who stick the head in the sand. I ain't sticking my head in the sand. We've we've done our job, and you you don't want to hook up with us? Fine. And they wouldn't hook up with us, and I was a little annoyed at them, and still a little annoyed at them, you know, because they was like because they love to they love to just show how spiritual they are. Well, your kid's rotten. Uh, no, I'm going to do my job, and I and, and we repented, and we repent we repented to the Lord. We were wrong. Now it's the it's the toddler that's doing the problem. But the problem of the toddler was me and my wife. We repented. We can do that, right? Well, I ain't repenting, you no know, kids, stupid kids problem. You know, my kid problem. You no, know, it was my problem, my fault. And, and so, so we repented and we got, we got adjusted back, right? And, and we've stayed and we've learned a lot from just that one step. We learned a lot to stay in agreement uh, all of our marriage, amen? We realized the value in staying in agreement. And so sometimes we have to go, well, you know, I think a little bit differently than that well, I think, well, let's find, let's find the path, right? Because there's always a path if you're willing to change, right? Well, I ain't changed for nothing. Then, then die alone, right? I mean, you know, if you're not going to change, only the Lord, the Lord's the only one in, in the universe qualified to never change. You're going to have to change. Are you breathing air? Then you're going to have to change. If you're unwilling to change, then, then you're, you've already lost all hope. You'll never make it. Amen? You've got to change. Uh, you change by the direction of the Spirit of God, by the direction of the Word of God. Uh, and and don't start changing things in the natural realm to hoping that that fixes things because that's not a good path. Best path is I don't, I don't change anything until the Spirit of God says, do something different. Even if I know something's wrong, I'm going to go to the Lord and pray until I get direction. And then once I get direction, then I can change. And every time I've done that, it always works because that's, you know, that's basically following the Word of God. That's following the being led by the Spirit of God. Amen? But if, if you think that your answer is to change a bunch of things in the natural realm... And people do it all the time. You know, there were some, uh, I don't, they say they're famous, you know, I think it would hurt their feelings if, if they realized how little I knew about them. But they were, they were in the news, so I just happened to read about it. But they were married, some famous couple married for like five years, and she said, I just, I, you know, I just, I just lost the spark, so I just left. What, what's she doing? She's just changing natural things, hoping that that makes things better in her spiritual life. But they won't. I can guarantee they won't, you know, because wherever you are is where you're at. Amen? Uh, and so but we can get there amen so uh, we didn't get into a lot of uh, uh, dr yeoman's but we did quote from dr yeoman though one time right uh, and so uh, but that's all right welcome to healing school 2023 amen we will remain the healed of god we will find the path to complete and total victory in in our physical bodies because we need to be healthy so we can accomplish the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel even if that's across the street if you're broke down you can't walk across the street amen and so we will remain healthy to com- complete God's plan for the earth. He needs people, especially people like us that know the word, that know the power of God to help other people. It doesn't, do doesn't do the world any good if we're just broke down as they are. in physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, financially, doesn't help them at all. Amen. If we're just like them, yeah, it's rough out there, isn't it? I mean, the ho- there's no hope in that. Amen. Come to church and, and be exactly the way you are. Uh, that's, not a, that's not a hope for them. Amen. Come to the church and be completely well, prosperous, forgiven at peace and victorious in all areas of your life that's the that's the deal we want to sell to the world amen and it's true and it's honest and it's available to every single person and we have the capacity to do that amen come to our church and be healthy like us not because you sit in this chair but because you learn about faith amen Uh, and so let's pray and thank the lord for his word so father we thank you for the word of god we thank you for the blessings of heaven father we thank you that it is true that you have redeemed us from the curse of the law that includes all sickness all disease father we have a right and privilege by heaven to never be sick another day of our life. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that we will do that. We'll live according to your word and see all the victory that you desire for us in all of our lives. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. He's good all the time. Amen. He is so good. Uh, and does you think he wants to heal your body? Yes. Absolutely. Amen. And you've you got to get it settled in your heart, God wants to heal me more than i want to be healed and, and that's true you'll never even as much as you know the lord you'll probably never appreciate that statement uh to its fullest extent till you see the lord in in, in person amen face to face so let's get ready to receive uh, this afternoon's offering amen and so uh we will continue on with uh, dr yeoman's book next week and uh we'll get finished with that at uh, some point in time but uh it's a good book and and uh have enjoyed studying about it amen we'll come ahead mr jared and receive the offering and don't forget, we've got the prayer this Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, here at the church. And, of course, we'll have Wednesday night service there. Uh, but it's a new year. Amen. Looking forward to seeing what the Lord will do this year. Uh, and uh, not that he's constrained by times and seasons, but, you know, there are times and seasons of things. And so it's always good to see what the Lord's going to do. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we'll be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend, Lord. We'll see you all next Sunday. Yes, ma'am.